Welcome to our podcast. You're listening to Pastor Jamie Patton at the Sanctuary Church in London, Ontario, Canada. Turn with me, if you will, uh, to Matthew chapter 20. We're going to start in verse 1. I'm going to read all the way down to verse 16. Uh, this will go somewhere today. It will end up in a place. This morning, what I want to do, uh, the, the, the sermon, if there was a title to this sermon, the title of the sermon would be, Ah, Lord God. Say it with me. Ah, like an ah, like, an, like I'm in ah, Lord God. All right? A-H-L-O-R-D-G-O-D. Ah, Lord God. And we take that out of Jeremiah chapter 32. In verse 17, that's, that's where we get that from. Don't turn there yet. We'll be going there. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 20. We're just going to brag on God this morning. Amen. We're just going to brag on God this morning because he is good. And he just, he just, he needs to fall back into that place in our lives. I, I don't know if it was last week, the week before, or when it happened. Uh, but just, uh, just encouraged you. I, I encouraged you to, if you fell into this place and have fallen into this place, which we all do at times and seasons of our lives, where we are just like, ah, blah, and like, oh, you know, God was yesterday, but I'm not sure he is today, and he's really not doing, God's always doing something in your life. God's always adding something or taking something away, but one thing I know about God is it will always benefit our walk. And we need, to, we need to be fully recognizing what he's doing. Amen? Amen? And we might fall into that place sometimes where it's like, ah. You know, and I encourage you if, you, if you're in that place, go back to the times before you knew Christ and how messed up your life was and how the fixer came in and just took care of that mess and set you upon the rock and you'll begin to thank him again. Amen? Amen? It's, just, it's just a good deal when you're under the covering of God. I, I, I get so excited about it. I get so excited about what he's doing, about what he's able to do, and the things that are so far out that I can see him doing, yet he's not doing yet. I get excited about those things. Amen? So we're going to start in Matthew chapter 20, verse 1. This is Jesus speaking in parables. I'm sorry, I'm loose. Evan, can you do me a huge favor? Can you go to my office and in my briefcase somewhere in there, there's fishermen's friends. Can you just grab me one or two? Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers to his vineyards. Now when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right I will give you. So they went. Again, verse 5, again he went out about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he, he went out and found others standing idle. And he said to them, why have you been standing idle all day? And they said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, right you will receive. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And those who came, uh, and those who came who were hired about the eleventh hour, they each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise received each a denarius. And they and when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, or they grumbled against the landowner saying, these men have only worked one hour, and you made them equal to us who have been born, who have borne the burden of the heat of the day. But he said to one of them, and uh, he said, uh, he answered one of them and said, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give you this. Uh, I wish to get to the last man the same. I, thank you, Evan. I wish to give to the last man the same I gave to you. It, is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is it evil? Or is it, uh, is it your, is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first and the first last. For many are called, but few are chosen. Now, it's a bit of a long story to get into an even longer sermon, but there's a, there's a principle behind this. There's a principle behind what we're going into today, ah, Lord God, that, that allows you to see just how good God is. 
Amen? And, and we see this landowner as he's hiring men to work in his field. He's going out in the beginning of the day, right at daybreak, and grabbing men to go work in their fields. It was a common practice back in the day. And, 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 in, the, and in the sixth hour and in the ninth hour, you know, and all the way through the day, he keeps sending men to his vineyard. Obviously, he needs to get something done. He's pushing a deadline or whatever. He just, he needs to get these things accomplished. He goes out at the last hour of the day and he finds men that haven't been doing anything all day. Funny thing is, is he agreed with his men that he sent out early in the morning on a wage for the day. And he says to them, why haven't you been working? They say, well, we, nobody's hired us. He says, well, you go in to my vineyard and you get working and you will get what is fair to you. And at the end of the day, he calls them to himself and says, here, here you go. Here you go. Here you go. Those that were hired in the 11th hour received the same wage as those who were hired in the first hour. And those in the first hour said, they must have been a union. They said, hey, listen, we worked harder. We worked longer. Shouldn't we get paid more? And he says, whoa, didn't you agree with me on a wage for the day? And isn't it up to me to do what I want with my own things? You didn't have to come to work. You, you could have just stayed in the marketplace all day with nothing to do. But you came, you worked, and now you're receiving your reward for that work. If I choose to pay my men or these men who have come in only one hour the same way, that's up to me. That's up to me. And this is the God that we serve. Hear me when I say this. Hear me when I say this because I'm going to point out a few things this morning. Psalm chapter 115 and verse 3 says, But our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. Say it with me. Our, our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. Now we see, we see people, we see men and women in the Bible trying to tell God himself in the Old Testament, and Jesus himself in the New Testament, what he should be doing. But it's not up to us or to them to, be able to dictate to God what he should be doing. God can do whatever he wants. God can do whatever he wants. It says in, in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11 in the New Living Translation, it says, Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance and makes everything work out according to his plan. Amen. Say his plan. His plan. his plan. Do you know why things don't work out the way you want them to work out? Because God's trying to work his plan, not your plan. God has, God, have, God has seen the end from the beginning, and he knows how everything pans out. Now, we don't preach predestination in this house because we don't believe predestination. We believe that we come into relationship with Christ by choice. It's declared through the word. We could pick certain scriptures out and certain things out in the word that might point in that direction. But when you read the heart of God and read cover to cover, you see that God is not willing that any should perish. So if God is predetermining people to go to hell, that goes against the word of God. So throw it out. That's just an aside. That's for all of you in here who might be in that mode of thought. We can, we can talk after service if you so choose, but that'll be the argument I stand upon, argument over. God is good, amen, and he is giving everybody a fair opportunity to come into the kingdom, and this is what we're talking about today. Oh, Lord God, meaning, oh, Lord God, you are amazing. Oh, Lord God, you've healed me. Oh, Lord God, this is incredible. Oh, Lord God, all of the plans are unfolding in my life. All of the things that I foresaw, all of the things that I've dreamt about. Oh, Lord God, is there anything that is too hard for you? He's in the heavens and he does whatever he pleases. He has all power, authority, and knowledge. He does whatever he chooses, not, not, not what we think he should do. He works out his plan according to his will in the way that he chooses and in his timing. I had to write that one because I didn't think I could formulate it in my head again. I'm going to read it one more time. It'll be recorded, I hope, and you can get it after. You don't need to write it down as fast as I'm saying it. But listen, he has all power, authority, and knowledge. He does whatever he chooses, not what we think he should do. He works out his plan according to his will, how in the way he chooses, and uh, in his timing. Why? Because he is in the heavens, and he does whatever he pleases. A couple of verses out of the book of Job. Now, you won't hear too many. Well, you will nowadays. I really enjoy the book of Job. And if you feel like you're 
really strong in the faith, you can go into the book of Job too to see what's really going on in this man's life. Start at the beginning, all right? Work your way through and you'll see, and you'll see how good God is. Here, here's a man by the name of Job. Job is, Job's position in life and his quote-unquote call as we know callings to be and what we see happening in our lives today. Job was merely an example. I believe he, full, he truly existed 100%. But he was set as an example to the body of believers to see, to, uh, to stand or to sit or to rest or to face down in faith, believing that no matter the situation, God is well able to cover you and God would never leave you nor forsake you. Amen? He is, he is approached by Satan. Okay, this is a conversation in the heavens. He is approached by Satan saying, listen, uh, we know that you're good, whatever, whatever, whatever. But, uh, you know, let me, let me test one of your servants. He says, you know what? Have you considered my servant Job? Have you considered my servant Job? Could you imagine God setting you up for a test like this? God has to have a, a tremendous amount of peace with your life. Because God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, right? We're, we're on that same vein today. And long story short, Job is tested in two ways. He's tested with things around him. And then Satan comes back and says, well, that's fine. I didn't touch him. And then God says, go for it. You just can't kill him. And he comes back, and I mean, you, you, you read the sickening things that Job goes through, okay? You read the things that Job goes through. But what, what, what a relationship he has with God, that God knows his heart in such a way that he knows Job will not fail him. Oh, Lord God. There's only one person that could do that in his life, and that's God himself. But at the, end of the, at the end of the book, we get into a place where now Job and God are having a conversation. And I love this conversation. We've gone through it before, and it's just such a fantastic thing. Uh, but just in the context of today's sermon, uh, Job's asking him a question. And then in, verse, or in chapter 38, and be prepared when God starts to answer you. It's one thing to ask God questions. It's another thing when God starts answering. It's another thing when God looks down from the heavens and says, now you listen to me. Because he will and he'll sit you down and he'll speak right to your heart. Listen to this. He says, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said this. Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man. If God starts saying that to you, whoo. He better be like, uh, how does that work, God? You know, because I'm not really sure how to prepare myself when you start speaking like that. Prepare yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. And this first verse, this chapter, verse 4, gets me every time. And it, just ha it doesn't even have to go further than this. He says, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Tell me if you have. Where were you? You think you, think you want to add your counsel to what I'm doing? See, our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Genesis chapter 1. Then God said. Then God said. That's all God did to create all that we see here today. He just spoke a word. He spoke his truth into the void, and that void became something of substance. Amen? That void became, he spoke his word into the darkness, and darkness became light. Praise the Lord. That's our God. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that still is in today, in your life now. He hasn't changed, Malachi uh, uh, chapter 3. I believe it's chapter 3. Pastor Joel, please confirm that. He says, I am God, I do not change. I am God, I do not change. Exodus chapter 14 in the Red Sea. I mean, we, we talked about Moses on Wednesday night, the Exodus education. Uh, if, you, if, you're, if you can, make time to get out Wednesday night. We're going into part 2. Uh, we've got part one recorded if you want that. But it's, it was a phenomenal time on Wednesday. I'm, I'm saying that out of bias, but also out of response that I've gotten from others. It was just a good time. It was good fun. 
But here, listen, Genesis or Exodus chapter 14, there they are, the Israelites, they're standing before the Red Sea. They're between a rock and a hard place. They got a sea in front of them and Pharaoh barreling down behind them. And they're, they're stuck. They're in a place that they can't get out. They're complaining to Moses, were there not enough graves in Egypt that you had to knock us down in the wilderness? We could have been there with a proper burial. Even our masters would have taken care of us. We could have had a proper memorial service, but we're going to die out here in the wilderness because these men, this army is going to kill us. And Moses looks to God and God looks back to Moses and says, why are you crying to me? Oh, Lord God. Why are you crying to me? That thing that I've put in your hand, you lift it up over the sea and you watch what I'm about to do. So he took the staff that was in his hand and that staff speaks of many different things. It speaks of ministries, it speaks of authority, it speaks of many different things. But listen, we have that in our hand right now. We have at our beck and call, we have at our authority, the spirit of the living God that we can so choose to walk in him or walk against him, but it's up to us. Lift up the staff over the Red Sea and watch what I'm about to do. What happens? The parting of the Red Sea. Says the Israelites walk through on dry ground. On dry ground, there wasn't, there wasn't mud, it wasn't muck, they didn't ruin their shoes, they didn't lose children in the muck. It was just walls of water and dry ground. Absolutely incredible, but that's our God. And the best thing about it is we serve that same God today. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 32 and verse 17. One of my most favorite verses in the Bible. It says, Ah, Lord God, say it with me, Ah, Lord God. No, you got to say it like he just did something miraculous in your life. Try it again. I can't wait till he really just swoops down and does something incredible. Just, you're not even going to react anything like that. Oh, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. There is nothing too hard for you. That's Jeremiah chapter 32 and verse 17. Oh, Lord God, you made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing. Say it with me. Nothing. nothing. Say nothing. 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 No, thing. no thing. No thing. No thing. And it's when we start to doubt that one thing that we need to go back to this verse and think and look and see that there's nothing, there's no thing that's too hard for God. Well, God, there's no thing ex except this thing that's too hard for you, right? No. No thing. There is no thing. Ah, oh, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is no thing too hard for you. I'm going to give this one back to my wife because she'll just throw it up on Twitter and mess it all up. But I made this statement last year. It was good, and what she said was amazing, but it wasn't right. But we talk all the time about putting God in a box. We talk about all the time about putting God in a box. And I'll say to you this, that you don't have a box big enough to put God in. We might think that we can put God in a box and we could buy. God can do anything he wants. In his sovereignty, he could come in in the most religious of places and swoop in and wipe out all the religious attitude and just put in the spirit of joy. We're not putting God in a box. We can't put God in a box. We can't, we can't not be, we just can't put God in a box. I was trying to reformulate something, but it just wasn't working. But we can't. See, what we put in a box is our faith and our belief. See, we find it easy to believe for other people. We found it easy to believe for Debbie. And the adoption, why? Because we're not struggling. We're not travailing with her. We're not in those times where they're telling her it's impossible. We're not in those nights when, they're getting, when she's getting emails from the children. Oh, oh when, am I, when are we coming? What's going on? We don't understand. We're not in that place. So we're outside of that. Looking in, we're like, oh, yeah, God can do it. But heaven forbid something goes on in your life, and you're standing there like, uh, 
it's not going to happen. There's no way this can happen. What we do is we take our faith and we stick it inside of that box. And God's not able to get in there and move because our hearts have become hard to the word and to the promises we know to be true. See, a heart can only be hard when it knows the truth yet denies it. I'm going to say that again. A heart can only be hard when it knows the truth yet denies it. We know, church, we know, and if you don't, now you know, that there's nothing that is too hard for him. If you want to start doubting situations, I pray that that God puts a tape recorder in your ear that has my voice saying there's nothing, no thing that's too hard for God. Even when it looks like it's impossible, it's not. All it's just waiting for is a word from God, a yes or a no. A yay or a nay. A go ahead or no, no, just hold up. There's nothing that's too hard for God. Some of us, what we need to do is stick our pride in a box. That's for somebody today. And that's not a shot. That's not a dig. I'm just telling you right now, coming from a life that was incredibly prideful, if you want God to start moving in you and through you, you got to take that pride and stick it out the window. I have friends in high school here that we were just the coolest thing going. Yet I don't care. When I come here, I lift my hands before the Lord. I know they're not thinking anything now, but back in the day, oh, yeah. Well, look at what, what's Jamie do? Does he get his hands up? Brother. Now, I don't care because you know what God has done? You know what I've witnessed? You know what I've been involved in and he's gotten me out of? You know all of these things that I, there's, he's worth praising. Because he's my, ah, Lord God. He's done, ah, Lord God, so many times in my life. I don't, I, I, I don't know if I could ever deny him. Ah, Lord God. Ah, Lord God. We just need to take our pride and toss it out the window. Let's open our eyes. Okay, let's open our eyes. He's still reaching the unreachable, touching the untouchable, reconciling the unreconcilable, healing the sick, raising the lame, bringing the light, bringing life to dead. When we realize that we are children of the King and just how powerful He is. When we realize that He's our Father, And he delights in pouring out his blessing upon his children. We realize just how powerful he is. We will begin to see the promises that are in him to give to us. And it's not always about, oh God, I want, I want, I want. It's not about that. I I can't stand the blab it and grab it type mentality. I don't, I don't like the, you know, let's just preach prosperity and not any of the core things and not any of the characteristics that we should be walking in. I know this to be true, that every good and perfect give, gift comes from above. He comes from the Father of lights. It comes from Him who is in, there, in Him there's no variation or shadow of turning. It comes from Him who is perfect and pure. And anything that He says, whether it's a yes or a no, it's good for us. You know how many things we had to walk away from that we thought were good for us only to realize God was taking us in another direction? But to be in those seasons. I remember some of the darkest days of our lives. It wasn't dark because of sin. It was dark because we've just, we just walked out of three miraculous opportunities that we prayed right through. And I remember when the last hammer came down because we were so certain that if it wasn't the first two, it was this one for sure. Hey. Eh? That day sucked. I don't say that often, but I have no other way to tell you about it. It was like, it was like the presence of God just left. It was a good thing. He didn't leave. It was just us. And I remember so confused. I remember being in a place where I was like, what's going on? I remember laying on the carpet who four years earlier, God showed me the vision of a church But now I was in sorrow. It was like I was mourning the loss of a child. Ah, Lord God, if I only knew that you were up to something different. Only to have three days later, going down to visit the same place, going in in a different direction totally. Now God had made it clear to us. Now that we could get our own desires out of the way, he was able and willing, he was willing and able to open up his vision and his desire. And here we stand today. Those three opportunities were moving, relocating family for ministry in established churches to take over ministries that were already existing. 
I won't tell you the places because you'll just, uh, in excitement. But wondering, why didn't you go? Don't even wait for God, just go, because it's amazing. But we knew that even in a great place, if God wasn't in it, we didn't want to be there. Luke chapter 1, verse 37. For with God, nothing will be impossible. With God, nothing will be impossible. Uh, Romans chapter 2 and verse 11. It says, for there is no partiality with God. And in Romans chapter 11, verse 29, it says, for the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. So pastor, why would you just rhyme off three verses without explaining them? Because I wanted to summarize that whole statement. Or in what, I wanted to summarize it all in one statement. It means this. That the call will always be the call. That the call will always be the call. And I just want to reference a verse here. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9. Turn there with me if you would. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9. It says, Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began means this, that the gift and the call of man or of God are irrevocable, meaning that the call will always be the call and that his thoughts towards us will always be good and for the greater good. And that no matter who you are, you are the right person for God to move in. His currency is only this, action and pursuit. Evan, why don't you come on up and just give me a hand to kind of wrap this up. It means this, that each and every one of us, and here we are today, I'm, I've, been, I've been involved in ministries. I got saved when I was 21. I'm now 39. I have 18 years of good, good life under my belt. I have 18 years that I've spent with the Lord, and I've, I've travailed, and I've worked, and I've suffered, and I've worked, and I've suffered even more. And I, You know, understand what I mean? All of you who have been in the church for more than 10 years, we know. 20 years, some 30 years, 40 years. Man, we've done it. We've been involved in all of the streams. We've been involved in all of the miracles. We've seen it. We've, we've walked in it. But one thing I love, one thing I love is this. I love the fact that God put a call on each and every one of our lives. You know what? God put a call on each and every life that has ever been conceived whether here or not. That I know that there will be those who come into the kingdom that because of the days will be rapidly advanced. I've got friends, good friends, that are now coming into the kingdom that I'm believing that ministry is going to be boom. And all that we need to know is that God's call is God's call. That if they so, they so desire to pursue God, that call could be rapidly advanced. That I'm not going to sit here and pout and be like, God, I've been in it 18 years and I'm not seeing what they're seeing. I hope to see what they're seeing. You understand what I mean? That we, that we see young believers come in the house, lay hands on people, and they start to be healed. And you're like, oh, I've been waiting for that ministry all my life. They stand up and they give prophetic words. And you're like, man, that was supposed to be me. You know, and they stand up here on stage and they're playing their guitars and they're singing songs to the Lord. And you're like, wow, that should be me. I've been in this so long. God shows no partiality. But I tell you what, God loves being pursued. God loves being pursued. And when we pursue Him, the all Lord God, the, there's nothing too hard. I mean, you begin to see these things. And sometimes we as a church need those new believers to come in so that it puts a spark back in us. Like if he thinks he's going to serve coffee at the bar, he's got another thing coming. 
Or he thinks he's going to play guitar. He's got another thing coming. I'm just I'm going to get back into the face of God. I'm going to go after it. You know what I'm talking about. That's why you're giggling. He thinks he's stepping into my position. His currency is this, his action or pursuit. We look at the leper in Luke chapter 8, or Matthew chapter 8. says, Jesus, if you're willing, listen, if you're willing, you can make me clean. You can fix my life. Jesus answered, I am willing. Oh, Lord God, there's nothing that's too hard for you. The ten lepers crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Don't give us what we deserve. We deserve this. We earned it. Because of the sins of our forefathers, we earned it. But have mercy on us. Take it away. What happens? Jesus just speaks a word. He says, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they turn to go, they realize that they're healed. Oh, Lord God. Didn't even touch him. Didn't even touch him. I'm going to tell you, what happens when you start believing God for who he is? And you start understanding and walking in that there's nothing that is too hard for you. Even this thing that seems hard. Lord, help my unbelief. Lord God, give me the awe. I want to believe, but you need to help me in my unbelief because it's so hard right now. And if you know what I'm talking about, it's just hard to believe, but I'm going to believe. I'm going to need him to help me in doing it. Psalm chapter 136. In Lamentations chapter 3, it says, Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You read Psalm 136 from beginning to end, you will see that God's mercy endures forever. It is his mercy that keeps you. It is his mercy that keeps you. It is, mer it is his mercy that keeps you from the places that you should be going. In his mercy, he holds you. Before you were saved, it was his mercy that kept you until he could save you. I remember running one night. I don't even know what prefaced the conversation, but I had a conversation with the Lord. Pertaining to my father, now he had been gone I believe for a year, two years. And he says, it was my mercy that kept your father long enough that I could save your father by my grace. So we stand on this side of the cross in situations that we might be in. We need to understand that God's mercy, it endures forever. It's over the situations. It's over our daughters. It's over our sons. It's over our brothers and our sisters. It's over our sickness. His mercy endures forever. I mean, so many times God did something through Jesus so that he could reveal his goodness. The man with the infirmity for 38 years laying by the pool of Bethesda. All of a sudden, one day, Jesus decides to go for a stroll. Doesn't heal everybody, and there heals one man. God's mercy was keeping him from doing something drastic or giving up until Jesus could get to him. His mercy endures forever. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. just want to declare some ah, Lord God verses over you. As far as the east is from the west, 
so far he has removed your transgressions from you. This is, this is what it means, is that God will never bring it up again. And I'm thankful for the things that God has forgotten about or chose not to talk about in my life because I don't want to talk about them anymore. But so many of us struggle with things that we've walked out of. It's such a weight on us. Because, oh, why, why would God want to do this in my life when I lived like this or I did this? When we just need to realize that he's removed them. If you've asked him, if you've repented before the Lord, look, just, I want that gone. I want to walk away from it. I don't want to live in that manner anymore, and I don't even want to go back to those places. That's repentance. He says, all right. If that's what you want, that's what I want. So he just takes those transgressions and throws them as far away from you as he can. You know the greatest part about the East and the West is that they never, ever meet. Ha! They never meet. Never, ever, 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 ever meet. Never, ever on a map will you ever find the East meeting the West. Just in sports. But sports are stupid. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Why does that have significance today? Will you start reading about the kingdom out of the mouth of Jesus? And you'll begin to understand what I'm talking about. On earth as it is in heaven. Heaven representing the kingdom. We know the kingdom, in the midst of the kingdom, is, is heaven itself where there is no sorrow. There is no weeping. There is no pain. There is no suffering. There's peace, joy, revelation. His kingdom, or the Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Say all. What does that mean? All. A-L-L. Every little thing. The young lions suffer lack. No, the young lions lack and suffer hunger. Psalm chapter 34. The last one I read was Psalm 103 verse 19. This one is, the young lions lack and suffer hunger. But those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Psalm 34 and verse 11. Those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. I used to get stressed out because of what I saw around me about people who I cared for and loved who I didn't feel like were pursuing at all or pursuing in the manner that I thought they should. But then I realized that seeking is a personal thing. That I can seek on behalf of somebody, but I can't seek for somebody. But when I read verses like this, I know and I understand for myself how important it is to seek the Lord. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things shall be added unto you. All of what things? Anything that you need and he sees fit to pour out on you. Those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. It gives me a hunger and a desire, understanding that my God is a God that there's nothing that is too hard for. I don't know how to get involved in that except start seeking. Well, how does that work? When you go home this afternoon, take the word. Go over some verses that we read today. Just start reading. 
But the greatest thing that you could do is give him an allowance to be with you in your reading. Lord, guide me in this. Show me this. Show me this. Show me what you're doing. Show me in my situation. And when it doesn't look like a good situation, that's fine because I know you're the God of my situation. That you, it'll only happen as you say it to happen. As you say it to happen. Listen, our God is independent. He's infinite. He's eternal. He's incomprehensible. He's supreme. He's transcendent. The one and only God. He's the Alpha and Omega. He is majestic. He is the King of Kings. And He's omnipresent. Summed up, that means He's good. He's everywhere. He's in everything. Ask Him. Lord, show me. Reveal it to me. Oh, Lord God. You created the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Start praying the word. Start speaking back to him the word. Start sharing with him the things that he wrote by his spirit. Oh, Lord God, you created the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Is there anything that is too hard for you? I'm looking at this situation and it seems impossible to me. But according to your word, there's nothing that is too hard for you. So all I'm looking for is an answer. All I'm looking for is an answer. It's all I'm looking for. Church, if you seek him, If you seek him, I promise you, you will find him. It's from the youngest in the house to the oldest in the house. I can't do it anymore. I can't do it under my own strength. I've just come to the resolution where I just need to give it all over to God. I just need to hand it all over to him because I've tried and I've been stressed out and I've suffered and I've lost and I've gained, but it's been gain in vain. But when we realize we serve a God that there's nothing that's too hard for, we realize that he's worth giving it all to. He's worth giving it all to. Some of you came to church this morning still with some doubt. Some doubt. Maybe, maybe it's not unhealthy doubt. Maybe it's a doubt that's causing you to question your situation. That's good doubt. But I'm here to declare over your life today that there's nothing that is too hard for God. We've watched as God's restored marriages, restored families, brought prodigals home, healed the sick. Man, how many other things have we witnessed? Financial. I mean, situations that have just seemed so impossible to the hearts and eyes of man, only to have God come in and take care of the whole situation. So here's what I'm going to ask you. If you're in need of a miracle, health, familial. You've come to the end of your rope. You've realized that you can't do it under your own strength. God, it's got to be you. It's got to be you. One thing I will ask is just trust them. 
But if you're in here today and you say, I, I, I need God to move in this situation, I'm just going to ask you to stand to your feet. We're going to toss pride out of the window in order to see God move in miraculous ways. That God has got to be you because it can't be me. It's got to be you, God, because it can't be me. It's got to be you. How many times in the Word did we see people in desperate situations crying out for Jesus? Because they were in a place, because they were in a place that they were stuck and they couldn't do it on their own. Not the, all the power, not all the money, not everything they had could make the situation right. And the last place they turned was the only place they needed to turn, and that was to Jesus. And that is the same God that we serve today. It is the same God that you're declaring with today, with your life, that God, it's my situation now that I need you to touch. If you would, if you're standing, just lift your hands before the Lord and just start, just start asking. It could be under your breath. It could be loud. It doesn't matter how it is. But don't let your lips stop moving. And don't let your heart go silent. You just start pleading with God. God, my situation is in need of your touch. God, we need you to move in this house today. You are good, God, and we know it. We've seen your miracles before. We've seen the miraculous before. God, we know that we stand under the same covering as they did, as we read about. Oh, Lord God. Oh, Lord God. You created the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing that is too hard for you. Yes, Lord. 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 Family restored, marriages restored, the sick healed, depression to flee. Any outstanding issues from places where we once walked, gone in the name of Jesus. Disease and sickness must flee at His name. We declare healing over this house. We declare healing over this house. Lord, we stand upon the truth of your word. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Lord, you are good. And Lord, your mercy endures forever. And Lord, there's nothing that is too hard for you and you show no partiality. Lord, you're, you're open to whomever, wherever, and whenever. And Lord, we're so grateful for that because there's not one of us in this house that is deserving of you. Yet you come in your love and in your authority and you bestow your Son, and your Spirit upon us. And Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for the gift, and we thank you for the call. Lord, you are worthy of praise and honor and glory. In your mighty name, amen. Amen. You know, adoption is one thing. And it's a great thing. I mean, Debbie's testimony, just it was just a perfect platform for this morning. That we could understand that, you know what? Even when it seems like God's not working, He's working. Amen? And even... even before the word went forth, we could have just left 
with a full understanding that God just did something incredible. And it's not that he just did it. It was in the works all along. There are times that God will lead you down a path that he's wanting to reveal to you the faith that you have in your life. God does things instantaneously. And God draws out a process so that we can learn. Amen? And all across this house, you know, I, I, I had a dream the other night. And I'm, I'm praying. I still haven't got the fullness of revelation. But this was big. It was big. But it's those things that we stand upon. But all across this house, I only thought of that because I said all across this house. And it's like, well, all across this house. Right? Come on, you're feeling me now. There's, there's people who are going through things that we'll never know. Some are obvious, some are not. God is still the same God over all of these situations. There's some that need physical healing. There's some that need emotional healing. There's some that just need, need to be healed of past hurts. There's some that just need, and you just need to know that they're loved, you know? And God is well able to answer every single one of those prayers. Every single one of them. But what we have to do, our responsibility is understanding how great he is. There was a great foundation laid this morning of, oh, Lord God. Just the, ah, wow, that's amazing. God, I can't, wow, us? Really? Here, now? This? What a relief, you know, that type of thing. For you to go home. And don't take my word for it. Take his word for it. I don't want you to try to stand upon my truth because my truth is fallible, but God's is not. So get into it. Don't, don't let this sit idly. But I'm so encouraged by testimonies of people who just want to read the word and discovering, discovering, wow, did you know this and did you know that? I might have known or not known. It doesn't matter. They're in the word and they're searching. God's currency is pursuit. If you want, if you want answers, you got to seek the one who has them. Amen? Church, I would keep you for another session, church, but I just want to bless you in the name of Jesus. And uh, I pray that you have an amazing week. On behalf of our entire Sanctuary Church family, I'd like to thank you for listening and invite you to join us for a Sunday morning service at 10.30 a.m. at 1251 Huron Street.